What do you think this clan symbol on my robe stands for? Oh, <laughs> France. No. Oh boy! <laughs> Shouldn't talk trash now that the now that the mic's hot. Y'all done, you know? hot hot <laughs> but, mic. But then, what will we be doing for the show if we're not talking trash? We're talking about crabs are just humidity. I mean, are we are we changing <laughs> formats? <laughs> <laughs> what show are we on, Aura? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Oh God, I don't know. It's not like you're on very many of them. <laughs> He's my beacon. I have no idea what fucking show I'm on either. <laughs> Is it that podcast will never do? That's correct. It's because I have a comic in my hand. Days of Future Past. Is that what we're doing? It's Days of Future Past. Welcome to that podcast we'll never do. The podcast that Aura never remembers. Aww. Uh, I am your host, Josh. Uh, I don't have any clever nicknames this week because I've been all sick. Uh, with me as always is Actually, Aura. I think that might be the most angsty thing you've ever said. <laughs> Fair enough. With me as always is Aura. With me hey! as, as sometimes is Archie's expert, Shane. hey Archie's expert, buddy. I do things. I watch Riverdale. <laughs> oh my god, Riverdale is so good. It really is. It's a great show that we are not discussing on this podcast. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Coming soon, Twin Peaks on Showtime. <laughs> so so uh, that podcast will never do is part of a, a larger network, which, which Aura is incredibly enthusiastic to tell you about, listener. What? <laughs> <laughs> graphic. Oh, this is a production of Graphic Novelty Network. Uh, we... we uh, you can go find all our podcasts at graphic uh, graphicnoveltypodcast.com. There are other things. I'll tell you about them at the end of the show. All right. Uh, so, as always, we are going to spoil things and we are going to curse because we are the bad kids who wore leather jackets and smoked in the in the boys' room in school. That's accurate. Uh, I actually wore rings and a bunch of leather, but I was a goth, so... Um... Nerd, don't uh, <laughs> yeah, don't, I know. Don't don't tell any of the internet this. But, no, uh, they all but, know it. But but me and Josh were also goth kids. So oh, motherfuckers, oh. that's why we get along so well. <laughs> oh yeah, that movie shit. By the way, I took a shit <laughs> in a grave. <laughs> <laughs> I started listening to techno music at the store earlier today, <laughs> and first of all, Cassandra. Like no idea, but but then one of them started to cuss up a storm. Like while there was like while the store was full of customers. Please tell me, with like a five year old, was like, what? I was I was like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it wasn't marked explicit. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, oh my god! Every time too. <laughs> Grave shitting is my favorite Sisters of Mercy album. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so. I'm sorry, I just all imagine them in cardigans and sitting there, like, taking care of the graves, because I heard you say grave sitter. <laughs> Alright, so this week we are starting off our entirely meaningless season designation three. Season three, baby! Woo! And we I'm all about that Szechuan sauce! <laughs> and, and we got a corker to start it with. <laughs> Boy... 
Boy, what a corker it were. <laughs> I get Aura insisted that we had a tradition of starting with like teen comics, which I'm not sure is actually true in, in the least. No, yeah, well, uh, season one was was uh, the Harbinger book, and the other one, sure, sure, and then and then uh, and then season two was the Archie stuff. All right, and so so now season three, uh, we have we have these books, which you'll talk about, presumably. which are sort of. Weird superhero books and sort of teen books, although one of them sort of isn't. Okay, thank you for pointing that out, because that was weirding me out for the longest time. I'm like, what are they fucking making me read? <laughs> uh, the books are Demo and Umbrella Academy. A demo by Brian Wood and Umbrella Academy by Gerard Way. I guess I should do the art credit as well. Demos was drawn by Becky Clunan and Umbrella Academy by Gabriel Ba. Bah. Bah. Uh, I don't think we have a lot of sort of backgroundy shit to throw in at this point. Mm. Uh, I love Brian Wood. Brian Wood from both has of been one of my favorites since Channel Zero. Uh, Brian Wood's kind of problematic too. Yeah, he's got Which he's got kind of we'll a history. Yeah, at um, some point. And then Gerard Way, he's he's a musician that people are familiar with, uh, and now he's doing the Young Animal stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's not like Bond where we have to go over the fine young animals, a whole bunch of them. young yes, animal, the yeah. fine young animals, fine young cannibals, fine uh, young comics. animals. That's what it was. Which are, are comics about I knew uh, it. about what, Natalie Merchant? Oh my gosh, that was a thousand maniacs. She draws me crazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Come on, no, right. <laughs> that was actually okay. That was good. That was good. <laughs> Uh, so let's just dig into one of these books. Uh, might as well do it alphabetically. Alphabetically, as do, always. Yeah, I'm assuming you want to talk about demo. Right? I do, as as I don't have my copy of Umbrella Academy with me. Well, nor did I have a copy of it to begin with. Anyway, mm. uh, the the demo uh, demo was originally a 12 issue series um, at at an independent publisher. Uh, that Brian Wood did as sort of a uh, a vehicle to showcase his his sort of own diversity of writing, and to also showcase Becky Cloonan's diversity of art. Um, so all of these stories in here only kind of have this like loose theme of being sort of teenagery and sort of superhero, well, uh, sort of super powery. Um, and and the and that's really all that these things have in common. Besides, their well, Shane will get to that, I imagine. Yeah. Um, and then, and then there was a second series of them later on at Dark Horse, another six issues, uh, which uh, seemed superfluous, if you ask me. But superfluous. That's I what I meant. Is what yeah. You mean? Yes. Yeah. That's Subfluous. The that's the word. Subfluous. Um, seems like fluid dynamics to me. Yeah, seems like fluid dynamic to me. And so, uh, in general, kind of going through the book, um, I mean, I don't know if you guys just had a favorite or not. Like, uh, yeah, honestly, I, mean, I, I, I kind of did actually talk about all of them. Uh, there was actually multiple favorites, and that's what I was really bummed about because I was starting to get like. I, did you did you present the conceit? I was I'm sorry. I was oh uh, they're really they're just you said. teen people with superpowers is what I said. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. But and, it's but they're it's important. Superpowers defined very loosely. Yeah, 
in a few stories, I would say nobody has any superpowers at all, in fact. No. Uh, and all the stories are all of them have superpowers. Well, eventually, to uh, the girl that extent. listens in on the guy, which actually I'm still trying to figure that one out. Which which one's that? Actually, which is my favorite one? Uh, by the, the one, way, the one who pretends that she's a psychic. Yeah, uh, and then ends up being psychiatrist. No, okay. But she's really like living next door to the guy and listening to him through the yeah. walls. And then the one that follows it too, the slacker's oath one. Uh, the slacker's oath, I, I did suss like, out that superpower, because I was like, what's the superpower in this one? Like, is there a power that she's a good writer? Stubbornness. Is his power that he's, you know, I thought lazy? That, I thought that... I thought that the superpower in the... Uh, Actually, it could have also in been... The, in the psychic one was that she... It's not that she was psychic, it's that she could manipulate with her voice. Uh, I don't I think that's really I thought it was true. more empathic. Empathetic. Maybe. Empathetic. Um, anyway, I mean, okay, maybe not. Maybe they don't all have. Su- anyway, actually, those two were my favorites. That's why I'm really upset. <laughs> well, it does, look, it doesn't matter if they fit the conceit particularly if they're yeah. good. <coughs> I just want to point out that the conceit wasn't always strong and consistently carried mm-hmm. out. It well, felt like the X Men had just gotten a. Crash Course by Donnie Darko. Well, okay, so it, to give a little bit of history here then for that, the first demo series was ba- what basically got Brian Wood his job on uh, the X-Men comics. So he um, did the X-Men whoa. comics after did this. Did he really? Yeah. Um, Becky Cloonan kind of kept doing indie stuff for a little bit, and now she's she's got a couple of Vertigo books that she worked on since then, but... She had a Brian Lee O'Malley feel occasionally. Uh, that is not accidental, I don't believe. Yeah, they're both kind of, I'd say, anime influenced, but still Western. Yeah. Like, they're, they're from a similar stylistic school. Although, Clunan, I will say, over. You know, jumping ahead a little to the review, like, Clunan uh-huh. is the best thing about Demo. Like, the stories are sometimes well written, but, like, most anthology stuff, it varies. In quality, from uh, issue to issue, some of them I don't really care much about. Some of them I find really heartrending. Uh, but Clunan's art is consistently amazing throughout the entirety of this. And not only that, but it varies in style. Like the, the military issue in particular, I'm thinking of, okay, which has so a much more shadowy style. So what I was that just was looking up was the military issue. Yeah, yeah. hang on, because I think, and it's not listed in the front of it. But I think that that was actually drawn by Brian Wood and written by Becky Cloonan. Because I, I, I recall reading this an individual issue, and I thought for one of the issues they traded duties. Hmm. Hey, <laughs> duties. Boo. And let me tell you, every time somebody buys a copy of Call of Duty, I snicker. <laughs> um, but uh, Which Blackhawks do you want? <laughs> <laughs> But I think I think that they it doesn't say it in the front. But I think they switched for that one issue. I wouldn't swear to it though. Mm, I would be a little surprised. But uh, point is, her art varies a good deal uh, throughout this, even be, even without that issue. Yeah. Uh, more than I would say most artists do. No, and 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 this uh, I recall that this series specifically the way because what Brian Wood used to have. There was this little publisher called AIT Planet Lar 
that mm-hmm. he used to pull up, publish through. And I think it was every February, might have been March, they would refer to it as Brian Wood Month. And he, he would release a bunch of books, like brand new books, through the publisher that month. And when he announced Demo, he said that it was specifically a vehicle for Becky Cloonan, basically. So she could showcase, like, the diversity uh, that she is as an artist. So... Yeah, and she is one of the best artists working in comics today, in my opinion. So artist-wise, was actually so. all of this completely like shaded, like it was like noir style, like in this book, or was it completely like colorized as well by somebody else? No, no, uh, there was no colors. The, there were no colors, so it was all like it was always monochromatic. Yeah. Oh man, that's so good. Um, anytime that I see like monochromatic like coloring in like a book and everything, I'm I'm very hesitant because the writing has to keep you there. Yeah. Um, and this was the, it was like, man, I read through the entire thing in like a day and a half. Oh, yeah. And, and the stories are all very simple and stripped down for the most part. Very much. Which uh, moves you through it very quick. Uh, my favorite issue, since we were, we were talking about that before we got a little off track there, my favorite's mixtape. Damn it, that's a good one too. Which is really one of the best issues in comics. I wish I would have written it down. I was going to guess that was yours. Can't go back. Gotta Mm. throw it away, man. I wouldn't. I think that'd be the one people would think would be my favorite. It's <laughs> it's really good. Um, my favorite. Which is, uh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Let's maybe just tell the stories of, of our favorites real quick. Yeah, like for sure. Yeah, yeah tape is about it. this guy who wakes up to find his uh, live-in girlfriend or fiance. It's not clear their exact relationship. Dead on the floor in a mixtape that she's made. Uh, he puts the mixtape in his Walkman and sees a sort of apparition of her appearing and talking him through a day. Uh, and he travels around with her, and at first he seems to be joyful to have at least this chance to say goodbye, but it quickly becomes apparent through what's going on that he knew what was going on less, and it's it's sort of about human relationships and how we think we know people and how some things are unknowable, I think. How some parts of people aren't available, how like for instance, the reasons that somebody killed themselves—that's killed themselves. I've, I've known a few people that have killed themselves, and uh, it's hard to really know why. Like people are very quick to criticize suicide. Like whenever somebody, a public figure, commits suicide, you'll almost immediately see a large number of people saying, "Oh, that's the coward's way out." But everyone that commits suicide does so for a reason that is very strong to them, and I think it, it behooves us to take a moment to, to contemplate and respect that. And I, I think that that's a comic that very much gets into that idea. That the dialogue at the end actually was very heavy. Like, it, what are you doing this to me? I'm like, hun, you thought it was about you? Yeah, like, exactly. oh, god damn, that... Cause it, yeah, cause it's not, I see what you mean. Like, people who commit suicide, it's not about other people. It's about their pain and their inability to go on with that. It's, I, I, won't, even, I won't even lie, like, you know, it's... it's fun to front and be like, oh, I'm a tough guy. But I did tear up at that issue. It was a good one. No, it was really good. So, you know, that's an accomplishment. Which uh, I bring up now because I'm going to be a little less kind to this book a little later. <laughs> <laughs> and to its writer. Um, my my favorite, uh, <coughs> well, my two favorites, I, the first one, the first story was, the, I think, the strongest one. The one where uh, they're kind of, it's, you got a couple, or, I mean, they're a brother and sister, I guess, 
And no, they're a couple. Are they a couple? Just the, with the psychic girl. No, uh, I think he's thinking about the couple. The, the well, no, the brother and sister. The, the, the funeral. The funeral. The funeral, the funeral. Yeah. The funeral it's one. Not the first one. Oh. That's a good the first one, one is with the couple, and it's the, the girl who's been yep. on meds all her life to keep yep. her yeah. psychic Okay, yeah, I'm stuff. sorry. The You're right. The funeral one it's, it's was... with Jean Grey. Yeah. Jean Grey, <laughs> it's essentially. Jean, is Jean Grey but, running but away Jean with Grey, But Jean Grey, if Jean Grey, like, happened in real life, and Jean Grey is <laughs> fucking terrifying. Well, and, and is terrified of herself. Like, at the end, yeah. sort of what I like about that story is in the okay, end. Okay, wait, no, no. So it was the couple, and then there was her brother and sister. Yeah, yeah, this is the couple okay. one. Yeah, it's the, oh, the half-siblings. Half I was after the couple The New York one. one. Yep, the okay. first. Because I, I think the series <laughs> starts really strong with that one. The New York one, because as in a lot of Brian Wood stuff, New York is a very strong character. I mean, st- it's, it's it's so much so that it's the, like, it's always, got the uh, interstitial page, like the New York skyline, so. I always find it weird, Aura, that you have so much affection for Brian Wood, because you are hostile to hipstery stuff, and he is such a consummate New York hipster. Well, this bitch right here is my friend, and I am the most hipstery motherfucker <laughs> that I can possibly live. Yeah, well, you, you know. Uh, <laughs> and then the other one, which I thought I found, but I, I might not have. Maybe I did. The shape-shifting girl. Fuck oh, you! The, the girl you want? You motherfucker, you stole mine! You can you can tell the story, then. I actually like that one. That was actually probably my favorite one. <laughs> The the shape shifting girl she she shape shifts based on what other people want of her though. And yeah, it's named after a Devo song, "The Girl You Want." The girl you want, of yeah. course, an awesome song. Um, all of the I think all of them in here, all of the things are named after music tracks too. Are they all? It could be actually. That's that yeah. Well, because the whole conceit of the book, and which now that it's this is flashing back to me, I forgot. This was Brian Wood and Becky Cloonan, like, having fun. Like, every issue had its own, like, soundtrack that you were supposed to listen to. Every issue, like, that was, you know, like, a dialogue between the artist and the writer. And it was, like, um, you know, uh... And apparently all the issues had back matter that is not included in any of the collections, which is upsetting. (laughs) Well, uh, specifically the... uh, there was a letters page where people would, like, you know, because uh, Local. Do you remember Local? Yeah, I remember Local. It was the same. Like, if you remember Local, it's the same deal as Local. I only read Local um, and Collected. Local is, uh, well, Local is interesting because he did kind of a contest on his website or something like that where he wanted people to, like, write, you know, like, write him stories about their hometown, you know? And so mm. then he would go and he would do those stories, basically. Um, or maybe it was tell me why your hometown is cool, basically, and and so that's how he picked which ones were lo- were pick- uh, done and local. But local was the same deal where it was like supposed to be a diversity of stories and it's you know high concepty in that way. I mean, because you, I think you know one of the things you've kind of circled the drain here a little bit on is that these stories are very simple. Yeah. But, like, the concept behind what Demo was and the concept behind what Local was is actually complicated because it's, you know, it's supposed to be this sort of meta experience, too. Well, I think that it's complicated in the sense that it defies what a lot of comics logic is. Was. Like... Can can, can we say can was, say, maybe? We can say was, maybe, if you want. Because I would, I would say the prevailing logic, I'll say was, at the time that if you did a book like this, the last issue is the team-up issue where everybody runs into each other, Right. Or, like, I mean, it's it's a superhero book that's not a superhero book. Yeah. Um, well, I was speaking more specifically of the meta stuff, um, as far as 
it because this book is from you know 2000 2001 something like that this book is you know yeah 15 years old at this point um is that pre-scott pilgrim or post Oh, it's pre, I believe. E- Not by a ton, but yeah, it's pre. Yeah, I think I so, I mean, too. that's that's impressive, Pilgrim honestly. Because like, it felt like this was like three, the depressing side of that, um, as opposed to... Because yeah. I think he did Local in response to 9-11, and Local was after Demo, so... But again, I'm not 100% certain about that. It couldn't have been too much before, because Channel Zero was 96, 98. It was around around 2000, because I was looking through his uh, online bio in preparation for this. But, like, the idea of having a soundtrack for your comic was something... This is the first place I'd ever heard of it. And now, I think a lot... Go ahead and point out Evan Dorkin did stuff like that. Oh, sure. I mean... (laughs) And uh, and try to clip the measure... First place I had heard of it. <laughs> oh, <no>. Okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, we um, all had our own introductions, honestly. So, I, you know, and and to to that extent, and I was just going to say it brought some of that indie sensibility to the mainstream. But I mean, he wasn't even publishing this mainstream, so I can't yeah. say that actually. But no, I mean, he would later bring that to the mainstream. Absolutely, and that's certainly the case with his work with Vertigo and with uh, eventually with Marvel. Yeah. Although I don't think I've read much of his X Men, he yeah he did his 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 run on X Men was short, but his run on Generation X was followed up Warren Ellis, like Warren Ellis set up kind of that's a fun follow yeah. Well, cause, uh, do you remember um, <coughs> Counter X? It was Counter X. There were three yeah. X books that were in trouble: um, X Men, Generation X, and. X Factor? Really? I'm going to go with X Factor. Um, Not Extreme? Nope, it was X Force. It was X Force. So Extreme didn't survive Claremont. <laughs> Thank God. So, um, it was always the, interesting. This, 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 mostly because it was shit. Uh, yeah, so it was. Okay, that's what it was. Um, it was. And so for all of these anniversary issues, because, like, I believe X force was at about issue 125 and then x-man and x uh generation x were both at issue 75 so warren ellis came on and he wrote like four issue arcs for all of these things that were intended to be springboards like to take the book into their future and so everybody bought up all the because warren ellis was like (coughs) the hot name at the time yeah because he's warren ellis and then the the people who followed him were uh brian wood stephen grant and whoever was doing the X-Force book, who I don't remember. Anyway, nobody bought those, and the books eventually got canceled. <laughs> so, Ouch. Um, but Brian, Brian Wood took the team in a completely different direction. It was awesome. Yeah, and then he returned to more, like, sort of dark horse and indie stuff, yeah. I think, mostly. Yeah, he... Uh, Which is sort of where he lives now, in that sort of mega indie. But yeah, uh, I mean, his most recent mainstream work was the Moon Knight run with Greg Smallwood. Yeah, were you, were you actually still doing the the, the plot of a uh, girl you want <laughs> before we got on the tangent? I think that's what <laughs> I'm sorry, we, <laughs> we had to roll back. I, Wait, I we were talking about songs, and then all of a sudden, Aura, yeah. you know. <laughs> I was. I was. I was. I was going to get. Actually, I, I mentioned briefly that she was a shapeshifter that shifts into what yeah, yeah. people want, and then and then I was going to pass it to Shane. Actually, so well, well, you, well, you can't pass it to me. Like okay. I actually have other favorite ones. But oh, that's fine. 
Uh, so I'm going to let, let you take this one. I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> so there are, there are quite a few fun scenes, though, where, like, people are shape-shifting her into, like, perverted things, and she comments on it, which I, you know, that's... that's it's just it's kind of a fun it's played for it, it, yeah no it is yeah. very fun to see exactly how many yeah. things she shapes this into <laughs> in one page alone well there's that four that four panel uh, at the party in particular yeah. where she starts out looking fairly normal and then she shifts into sort of a I'd say sort of a Latina hipster looking girl yeah. which uh, actually to start it was actually her. librarian to start it was librarian. Start it was librarian, and then I think next was like um, Chun Li Asian. Uh, it was on the facing that she was a librarian, and then she was something somewhat normal, Latina hipster, and then Chun Li when this guy yeah. has like a ninja shirt is looking at her. Something else after the last one uh, I think it was Parley, and then uh, as she walked out, uh, it was like out, a mom. As she walks out, she's like sort of yeah, sort of a mom looking. Like what the fuck is your problem? And then she runs into some punks that see her as this mohawk. Yeah. Uh, um, is, is it a great oh, sequence? Yeah, it's really good. Uh, 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 well, and the the interesting thing about that issue, though, is that she, <coughs> the person she ends up hooking up with, is well, is like, oh, wait, wait. Mm, or doesn't mm, hook up. Mm. Sorry, doesn't That's hook why up. I like with, this one. Yeah, is 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 a girl who quote sees her for as, for what she really is. Yeah, like she does shape and she's, she's and she's like, there. "That's the one I'm supposed to be with. That's the person who sees the real me." And then. She gets stalkery about it, and then eventually realizes that what she's doing isn't especially different than what the people are doing to her. Yeah. When she sees the woman, like, with a kid, that's her kid, and she's like, I don't know this woman at all, why am I such a failure? And interestingly, then on the bus ride home, everybody sees her as she is, because she's failed so, so prominently. Very good. That was actually really good. It's emotionally very weird and interesting. That's heartbreaking. That's good, though. What what other favorites did you have, Shane? I actually really did like the war one. That was really interesting. Um, It's it's so interestingly paced, too. Yeah. Very. Because, like, the climax isn't what you think it's going to be. Damn it. You know what? I really hate this book because I actually did, like, a lot of them. Um, I was really upset that I was reading this book. And I'm like, shit, they're going to ask me what my favorite one is. And I have, like, six (laughs) of them. Um, if I had to pick one, you actually already picked the one that I wanted. And that was actually really good. Um, the other one is the guy who is trying to play it straight-laced, um, gets promoted to a job that he's not sure that he really wants, but everybody wants him to have. At least his family does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, like, all of his friends want him to bail out and completely take it for what it's worth. Like the strongman guy? Who yes, yes. I thought that was really fight. good, too. His friends were trying to get him to rob the payroll. Yeah, and he already took the fall for them once, and yeah. then after that, he was just like, oh, I see why you have to have me here. It's it's a good story that becomes great in the last couple times. Yes, yes. And that's what I really liked about it. And it's like Because like he chooses his family over these dirtbag friends of his and his dirtbag girlfriend, and is all like, just goes to his girlfriend and is like, don't be home when I get home. Like, exactly, get yeah, you're not living with me anymore. And he goes to drink with his dad and granddad who have the same job that he does. And, and great grandfather, and then it was and all... And he just sees a line of all these people that look just look... like him, and there's just this... It's like the end Honest of the Honest working people. That was, that was, I was good. I liked well, that. It's a great end because it's like the end of The Graduate. Like, you seen The Graduate? Yeah, yeah, no, I... Like, yeah. When they're in the bus at the end with the senior citizens and they sit down, and like, in a normal... 
film, it would just cut there, but it doesn't. It lingers on them, and it lets you see that, like, that life continues panel. after it, and they've made a big decision. And is it the right decision? That's what I kind of like, liked about it. That's, that's, that's that last, last panel, panel where he's just, guy, like, like, he, like, he's sitting there I with his drink, this? and he doesn't know. Like, is choosing the honest thing that the family did the right thing? You know? Like, it's... It's nice. It's it, it's wrapped up like the moral choices that he makes are the choices that you make in He's stories. That just another stepping special. stone at this it's point is what he point. might feel like. Yeah, it's very early. Like, it's like, say, like maybe like the third, second, or third. Well, what I was the, what I was trying to okay, what I was what I was looking <coughs> at was um, the thing I wanted to to mention about it. Okay, yes. And so uh, we, we get that last like a very difficult to read look on his face where it's just like is this the right choice like i chose duty and honor and family but that means that i'm here in this bar well the the way you guys described the way time was being told in this you know in the sequence of panels was interesting to me because i i didn't necessarily i mean i remember reading this this but i didn't remember anything in particular i thought he was just drinking with People at the bar. I didn't realize mm. that no, this no. was, you know, it's all no, it's so it's the entire lineage. Yeah. Like, oh wow, you look and, just like the others. <laughs> and so I didn't, I didn't focus on it the same way you guys yeah. did. So I was just like, oh well, and you it's know, just, whatever. Like that last page would not be in a lesser version of this comic, and it it really makes it. Yeah. Which you know, it kind of took me for a surprise uh, because after everything else that I'd been reading, and then everything that I read after, like the, uh, it was it the water breather? Is that what it was called? Uh, I think so. The the one that's one of the that's in the the second run that's mostly not as good. Yeah, <laughs> and I was trying to figure out like the which one was the decent one, like well, the, the best out of it. And the the second series, I mean, I mentioned briefly that I didn't. Uh, I didn't. The care opposite much for magnets it. too. I kind of enjoyed as well, but at the same time, yeah. like I was like, oh god, that's depressing. <laughs> I mean, they're revisiting the the second series revisits like the the two. Uh, the two creators now that they're both mature creators. Okay, if we want to go for it, yeah, my favorite one, OCD girl with the uh, exactly with the post-its. OCD girl with OCD the post-its. girl with the post-its. That actually might be my favorite one. I think that is the sweetest story I've ever heard. You liked a lot of the... I really did, ones. man. I <laughs> I was upset how much I liked this book. <laughs> no, but you in particular liked because I think that was another one of the later ones. Yeah, there's yeah. another second series. You liked a lot of the second series, like more than I think me and Aura did. <laughs> well, I, I I didn't dislike. Let it, me I want to say. I I think you're right, though. I think you nailed it when you the energy just isn't there in the same it's, way. Yeah, it's a different energy, and it doesn't. Yeah. And I was reading it in waves at the same time too. Like I like yeah. you know I had three yeah. hours to read it, and then I had an hour, and then I had another hour, and I'm I mean, just like okay, cool, 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 cool. And then it, yeah. when I slowed down, I was like. Oh, this is good. This is good. This is good. Um, I mean, you're not wrong to like it. Like, it's totally okay. We're just, you know, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just saying. That's where I was at the time. So, <laughs> but it does, it does have a very different energy. I think in that second, it does. It feels. It's that thing that people who are successful sometimes get, where it feels simultaneously more masterful, but also maybe a little less raw. Yeah. And I don't know. A lot of my favorite stuff is raw stuff. Well, I mean, that's what this... I always prefer Pavement's first album to any other letters. Well, (laughs) in describing the conceit behind what the book is, it's supposed to be raw, you know? And so, like, it's not supposed to be, you know, a well-constructed, mature text, you know? So, I don't know. 
Alright, so do we want to... We've talked about our favorites. Do we want to review it a bit? I, I love Might this as well. book. Yeah, yeah, no. We, Sorry. We've reviewed it. I, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, Are we at a unanimous consent again on this, this one? one? I do... This, no, because Josh is... Okay, good, so good, 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 good. I'm going to be a jerk in two ways. <laughs> First, uh, I, did, I enjoyed it less this time. I don't know why. It just... The storytelling is very simple, and that's nice, but it reminds me of... I don't even know exactly what it reminds me of, but it lacks a complexity that I sometimes look for in, in, in my favoritest of favorite stuff. And although it does have a great emotional core to it, and it is very affecting, it's just, it's, I think it's just stuff that's too simple to be my favorite stuff. So this was your second read-through, though? Yeah, this was second or third. I think I read it once in sort of pieces, once uh, all through when I got the collection. And okay, cool. For favorite. me, this is a one-time. Yeah. That's a one-time for me. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like yeah. everything hit me where I thought it needed to hit and, me, and I could not read it again. And again, my criticism isn't, this is my criticism isn't one that's like a reason for other people not to like no, it. No. It's to do with my taste a lot. For me, and this is for my no, taste. No, that's absolutely fair. It's just I mean that's that's what you do when you review things. You have to go yeah. back through and critically analyze well, I will, things. I will, I, will, I, will, I will like it, and I will always tear up a little when I read mixtape. But I will never love this in the way that Fuck I love you some for other bringing things. up mixtape. That is a really good one. Uh, this is my fourth time through because I did it an individual issue. And then I and I have two versions of the of the of the trade paperback before the complete trade paperback because uh, the funny story behind this trade paperback I don't know if Josh remembers but uh, when we first started shopping at the comic store that we're sh- that I currently work at now he went in there and he bought this demo the this co- this brick yeah, brick demo <laughs> you were pissed off and I was like I was like that looks a lot thicker than the one that I have. And I was trying to figure out why it was so, like, why it was much, and it's because it has the second volume that I didn't actually get all of the issues of, and yeah. so it, it collects the, the totality of the thing rather than what I have, which is two <laughs> copies of the first volume. And, and you were pissed that I picked it up, too, partly, yeah. partly because you didn't have that volume, and partly because, it, like, you asked me how much it cost, Yeah. and I told you how much it cost, uh... And I suppose we'll come back to it in the price comparison. Yeah. It's twenty five bucks for an eighteen issue arc, which is an incredible price. So we'll like that we'll get is back a to that. great price point. And I think you were very even more angry. I was that I was, I was getting I was, <laughs> substantial brick of decent comics for twenty five bucks. Well, and I, I mean, I had read it. I had read the first volume several times before, and I don't know the thing. the The thing that stymies me a bit about it is I'm not sure that they ever came out with a trade paperback of exclusively the second volume. So I don't think it's possible to get the second volume in anything other than this brick. And yeah. since I had missed issues, and I, I'm, you know, sorry audience, I'm not a back issue chaser. Like, if I miss something, like, forget it, I'll just buy it and trade some other time. <laughs> like, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I used to try to fill holes like that, and, and then it became a problem. <laughs> and then you got married. All and, of, and you weren't all, allowed to fill oh holes. Oh, boy. Ah, all of the spackle. <laughs> um... <laughs> Okay, so that was your first critique, which uh, is an understandable one, because that, that can s- sometimes happen. Also, I think in some ways, as I was listening to you talk about that, I'm wondering if you yourself are in kind of a different place in, in some ways than when you may have read it the first time, because, like... Yeah, that's certainly true. You know, I like, like suicide means something different to me now than it did at the time, because oh, I, I, too, have encountered, you know, recently... 
uh, a couple of my my people have have you know had that sort of thing happen to them. So um, so I'm in a different place too, you know. Absolutely. And the first time I read mixtape, it didn't affect me nearly as much as as later. Although you know, it did somewhat. Uh, it's and I guess that is. I have to have to acknowledge that that is another thing in the book's favor column is that it is a book good enough to be revisited at different parts of your life. Yeah, I agree. Ooh, which is uh, which is not something you can say about every bit of media. Oh, I mean, uh, yeah. My other criticism of it is not of it, but of Brian Wood. <laughs> the problematic Brian Wood. Well, Do we want to get into that real quick? The only problem with getting into it is that some of it's hearsay. I think it's... I'm aware, and I'm going to present it as fairly okay, as possible. Okay, fair enough. It also connects to a prior episode. Go ahead. Which is something that I discovered looking into it, which is part of why I want to talk about it, because it's fucking fascinating. And it might lead to me dropping a different comic that has nothing to do with Brian Wood from what? the pull list. All right, so in 2013, uh, there was a minor internet controversy around Brian Wood. Uh, an artist named Tessa F- or named Tess Fowler, uh, who mostly does art for sort of fantasy stuff, uh, and has an online comic of some sort, I believe. I'm, I'm not, I don't know a ton of her work. I believe she does artwork for the telev- for the Geek and Sundry show uh, Critical Role, which is a, an RPG Let's Play type show. Uh, she came forward with an allegation that Brian Wood had aggressively hit on her and then threatened her at a at a, a comics. I think San, it eventually came out that it was San Diego Comic Con uh, 2007. Although at first it wasn't clear because details weren't always forthcoming. Uh, Wood responded that he had in fact hit on her, but that he did not agree that he had been aggressive in the ways and harassing in the ways that she had claimed uh and eventually larger gonna, stories started to come out i'm gonna pause you just for one second he was largely silent on the issue for for like a couple of weeks and then yeah and then I mean, i'm finally, compressing because yeah, i don't yeah. want <laughs> well the important part about that silence was that's when a lot of people started to go at him about this like yeah. well, because he her. was yeah, and people went at both of them. Yeah, uh, which is an important thing to. I'm not. Saying I agree. I, I'm sorry. I, well, I didn't mean to. No, I, I didn't mean I just, to say it like that. But yeah, in his silence, that's where he started to lose a lot of people's respect. I guess. Yeah, that's why I was mentioning it. Her initial allegations were very, very uh, sketchy in the sense that they weren't detailed, not in the sense that they weren't, you know real or whatever. I'm mm-hmm. not making a value judgment on them. I'm saying they weren't very detailed at first. Uh, Wood responded that he had hit on her. Uh, I don't... Wood's reply is part of the problem, which I'll get to in a minute. Uh, and then she replied with more details about what had happened. Uh, in the detailed account, it was revealed that it was the, the 2007 SDCC. Uh, and what it comes off as in the story is that Wood had maybe not had a great day and was a bit drunk and was kind of churlish and shitty to her online afterwards. Uh, which seems to me like a reasonable thing that, like, somebody would... I mean, he didn't, like, fucking rape her or something. Like, that that's, that was never the allegation. Uh, the allegation is that he was a little shitty at her. Uh, at that point, you got to see both sides of the story, I guess. Um... Yeah, I, I kind of get it. Well, the internet at the same time, you know, there's 
to me, the story is less about, you know, who was right, who was wrong, who was whatever. I think the bigger story here is the internet hate machine that followed it. Like, Every time. Because this is. was... Well, this was the beginning of what has now kind of become the catch-all outrage. You know, like this this idea of internet outrage that that sort of surrounds these sorts of issues. This is an outrage. I, I half agree with you. I, well, I think that people need to learn to be better at getting the substance of an argument before making a judgment, but I don't think there's anything wrong with deciding whether you want to be involved in following a creator or supporting a creator that has done something shitty. Well, and I and I and I don't disagree with you, but what I do disagree with is when people were basically crucifying, you know, what what you've mentioned both of the creators mm-hmm. like without knowing any, you know, like yeah. any of the facts. I mean, like people... literally there were two people there who, you know, yeah. and Nobody and, else knows what happened. And American culture, and I go on for hours on this, American culture is so focused on individualism, and I think it's poisoned our ability to talk about issues. People no longer want to wait to find out the details, and they respond disproportionately with like, you know, oh, Brian Woods was kind of shitty to this woman. Obviously he should die. This woman is claiming that Brian Woods was kind of shitty to her. That means that she's uh, claiming false rape, it, like false rape, and she should be murdered in the streets, and her corpse fucking violated no no now there there is no 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 there is one piece of <laughs> we can information talk like adults i said yeah. we cut them both in half i'm going the king route <laughs> um there's a there's a john Mulaney wait there. no don't cut both of them in half well then they're both right they can't both be right you're right. <laughs> There's a John Mulaney bit where, and where that's he where you be the king. Everybody's right. <laughs> There's a John Mulaney bit where he talks about the 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 King Solomon, where he talks where he, he talks about the, the like evil woman being like okay with it as long as she gets the top part. <laughs> that's how fucked up she is. She's okay as long as she gets the top part. Um. Well, so so yeah. But, I, I, I had something more to add to this. Oh, um, I I've I've talked uh, to creators who know Brian like since then, yeah. and the 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 thing that I get from having talked to people on the background of this is that he's kind of a awkward guy to begin with. Yeah, and so um, so like he can come off as as a little. Weird to begin with, and so that's uh, that's part of it as and well. As someone who always comes off as weird, I, I, I understand that. But I, I do want to say two other things about yeah. it. Yeah. Fucking wait, what? You weird? I know. It's, it's, it's like, <laughs> what? <laughs> you watched Buffy, right? I always feel like Dracula, when Dracula talks to Xander, after he's red-filled him. <laughs> And he's, he says, you're awkward and off-putting, go now. That's my life. Yeah. That is awesome, Josh, every, every actually. conversation I have the with people. fucking thing I've like ever heard. Anytime I talk to anybody, even when I'm in front of a class or giving a yeah. lecture or anything like that I've ever done in my life, I feel like they're about to tell me that I'm awkward and off-putting and I should go now. Okay, you see, I feel that Did way you? when somebody asks me for change, and I'm like, yeah, I got none, and I... <laughs> 
didn't didn't you get that on a student eval once? Oh, they told me that I was awkward. Yeah, all yeah. my student when I, when, I, when I was a TA in my master's, all my students like they gave me mostly positive feedback, but they frequently all of the almost all of them told me that I should be less awkward. And I was like, lady, it's it's been a thirty plus year struggle at this point. It ain't changing. There's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a point where you cut bait. I told them, well, well, you, you you were there, and I because because like usually like I have to drink before I read the student emails. So, like yeah. I, you know, I, I I sit down with them, and like it's this whole like thing. And uh, and I only do it once a year. I can't even do it the twice a year that I get them. Like so. I hear you with like blaring Vivaldi in the background, <laughs> and you got like a little Chardonnay that you're kind of swirling. And you're like, All right, let's begin. Yes. Fuck! And you smash the glass in the first yes. exactly. Yeah, no, it's it's a bit like that. Um, no, but uh, one of them I read by accident because what? I I opened up the thing to make sure it was mine. Like for some reason there was some mix up. Like. On the on the front letters, they had the wrong names, but like the envelopes were labeled right, and so I was like, I just wanted to make sure it was mine that was in it. So I opened it up, and the the top eval says, you know, like a great teacher, funny, whatever, but but a bit disorganized, could use more organization, and I <laughs> and I laughed so hard because I was like. Oh, sweetie. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I'm not going to fix? <laughs> like, so many of those evaluations are like, that's what I would evaluate myself as. That's your, your evaluate, a, an A on your evaluation. If your, if your coursework was this quality of insight, then, uh, yeah, yeah. then maybe you would have done better. Boy, you read me well. I'm, I'm unorganized. There's nothing but factual information here. <laughs> like, Staff notes. White bitches, am I right? <laughs> I'm giving you nothing for that. <laughs> you shouldn't. Um, right. oh, we we did have so one more critique of this book, I believe. Shane noticed on the way over here that I. The, well, can I can I finish my? Oh, my I didn't realize. Sorry, sorry. we were. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I just wanted to do the two other things about wood. Yeah, and then we can then we can end it with more positive stuff, which is fine. Well, Shane does have one more negative people. thing okay. that he noticed that I didn't actually, which is ironic. Cool. Uh, I want to say one uh, in Wood's reply it seems to me a little self-serving because he talks one of the things that he talks about is uh, and she talks about how she felt threatened because he was a bigger deal in the industry and in his letter he's all like oh I wasn't that successful then this took place in 2007 Demo and Local had both gone through their first runs he was on DMZ he had signed with Vertigo in 2006 because I checked this against his timeline he was not unsuccessful. Like, that's a bit whiny to put in your fucking apology note. To anybody who's ever going to do an apology note for something like that, here's how you do that note. <clears throat> uh, I hit on this person. It was probably a dumb idea. I was a bit drunk, and I was probably stupider than I meant to be. I'm very sorry. That's the all you need to say. And that's all you need to say, and it fucking disarms everything. Man. Are you kidding me? That's Just like say, my life story. I'm dumb. I did a dumb thing. Well, I'm very sorry the only, about it. The only little... The only missing bit to what you're describing mm. is that, like, comics have a real bad problem with sexual harassment. Oh, right they absolutely now. do. And yes. so, and so, I think Brian oh. Brian Wood may have been afraid he was getting sort of sucked into all of that, and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, not me!" <laughs> like, I, I understand the defensiveness, but it's. That defensive instinct needs to be set aside because if you do that, yeah. if you do say that, look, I was I was drunk. I said a dumb thing. I did a dumb fucking thing, and I'm real sorry. I have a daughter. I wouldn't want her to be treated like you feel that you were treated. So I'm sorry. And then you're not sucked into it. Yeah, that's and true. You're okay. 
No, you're absolutely right. You get to walk right. away looking beautiful. Uh, and the right. other interesting thing about it that connects to another comic that we've done, Rat Queens. Okay. Remember, uh, Curtis Weeby fired what's-his-name because he was under the domestic abuse allegations. Yeah. And they went into a rotating art team for a while. One of the people that they brought on board, the one that they settled on for the longest before they finally brought back the original artist, Tess Fowler. Huh. Interesting. And Tess Fowler also, uh, in her tweets, indicated that uh, at a certain point, like once they announced that they were bringing back original guy, she started selling all of her uh, Rat Queen original art and seemed to indicate that she'd found out that that had always been the plan. Which makes it look like Curtis Weeby put his buddy to the side for a minute, brought on a girl who was best known for being a voice against uh, harassment in the industry, and then fired her ass the second he thought that it was uh, quiet enough to do so. What? Which looks real fucking bad for Curtis Weeby, as far as being a decent person. Mm. I just wanted to bring that up because I thought that was fascinating. Ouch. I mean... Shaking the stick. No shaking the stick. No shaking the stick at any one side. But no, just uh, well, I, I, I hearsay. Um, I know, it's hearsay, and I'm sure that there are multiple sides, et cetera, et cetera. But, yeah. but my thought on this is that Weeby never needed to do that. Like, most of the people like uh, who read comics don't know anything that goes on in the background of them, I don't think. Like, for instance, mm-hmm. the guy who's editing Superman... Mm. Right, he like he's gone through like the ringer of sexual harassment stuff right now. Oh, I know. And and like um, over and over again, accused of this, and over over again, like you know, ends up like he took like a slight demotion once, but that was it. Like otherwise, he's he's been pretty relatively untouched, and mo you know. Lives as a pro- but I I would say most of the people who don't read super who read Superman are aren't aware of that. Having said that, I do realize that the Rat Queen's uh, demographic is a bit more, um, shall I say, Tumblr heavy. Like oh, I um, would I would just say that it's gained a reputation among a community that cares about that particularly. But I'm I don't know if he necessarily needed to. Do, I mean I I get you know the the. He may have felt he needed to do it, but I'm not sure. Maybe. I don't know. It's interesting. And uh, if that's the case, wow, that is really shitty. <laughs> like, it's, it's hard to... I mean, I do... Like, I think I was fair to Wood and the thing about Wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do try to be fair. And yeah. I have my ideas about how the world works, but I try to be very fair and look at things from all sides. It's hard for me to look at that, to look at that sequence of events and see it other than that. Well, let me say, I, I've been a Brian Wood fan since, like I said, Channel Zero, since yeah. freaking 1996. Uh, it's really hard for me to look at it with, with a, you know, an objective yeah. lens. And I, and I, hopefully, I, I came off at least a little, yep. you know. Yeah, of, fair. Um, and, but the frustrating thing as a fan was his silence in the wake of the allegation. Yeah. Like, that was, that was where, for me, like, as a fan, was, I was like, That's why on. you don't want to give it, like, Fruition and, though that's the, that's the yeah, thing. Yeah. Like sometimes if you stay silent, like it might be like for the best, but at the same time, it also might garner enough attention even more towards you. It's 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 a catch twenty two every single fucking yeah. time. It's a double sided blade, and you have no idea how to handle it, especially with those kind of fucking allegations. So, There's a so, lot of things. Someone tell on you, Shane. Uh, fuck off to start. <laughs> um, 
there, no, no, I've been in a, just a lot of situations like this where it's just like it's nobody's fault. It's just that if you look at it through a certain lens, you're fucked either way. Yeah, and, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell anybody to not read Wood stuff. I don't even know that I'm gonna say that I'm never gonna read Wood stuff. It just to me it puts an asterisk next to his name, and I always feel a little weird. Like, about, like, stuff that I would probably like, like Briggsland and stuff, but I'm like, but I, I don't know. I didn't like how he reacted to a certain thing. And frankly, there are lots of other things, media, there's lots of media in the world to buy. Some, well, most of it I done mean, by people who, ha- who I don't know skeezy things about. I mean, one of, the, one, of the, one of the essential questions that we ask in the humanities program is, can you separate the art from the artist, right? Yeah. Can you separate the, the, you know, the writers from the writing, you know? And yeah. And and largely, you know, largely, you know, hopefully, most of the time you can because uh, every one of these people are flawed in their own way, right? You know, so. But I say, I called my mom a cunt once. That's what I'm talking about. Oh no! (laughs) I did it on social media. (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, I got flamed hard. I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna stay silent. It'll be fine. I never did that. <laughs> There's like, oh man, I'm making it worse. Mom, I'm so sorry. Oh my god, you're the worst son ever. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, somebody told on me. <laughs> that's that's not. I was, that was I was talking no, about a running gag worst. at the shop. That was the worst, man. <laughs> I do want to real quick before we close it out. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not just trying to get in the last word. But I do except that's what you like except, to do. Except that's what I am doing. Yeah. Absolutely. But, but I'm but I'm lampshading it in the hopes that you will not notice. And, that's fair. That podcast uh, will never do. Use the final word, after, Josh. Use, use lampshading as, as a means of avoiding responsibility is like, a viable strategy. So, like, as somebody who's like Jerry Springer's final words here, yeah. as, as somebody who's been in the humanities, I think that is a question. But I think that it also kind of elides a question, which is, what are you comfortable supporting to? Oh, and that That's is that is yeah, okay. You know what? That is actually the most viable. Yeah, I think, and I don't. It's not that I think that that makes that other question not meaningful. I think that they well, both need to be considered. Well, a lot where this comes up is is things like um, Heidegger, mm-hmm. like because Heidegger, you know, Nazi. Yes. <laughs> Heidegger was a Nazi, but he, uh, but he, he, he wrote some pretty substantial philosophical works, you know, and. And, and some important things, particularly to understanding the, the, you know, middle, late 20th century, early 21st century, even to a certain extent. Yeah. Um, so are you separating yeah. the, you know, the philosophy from the philosopher here? Well, you know, do you I have to, do you have to swallow Nazism to, in order to understand, you know, existentialism, basically? Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to argue with it just because we have other stuff to talk about, <laughs> which is sad because I'd love to have this discussion. All I am let's, going to say is, well, here, well, let's all continue. I'm say is this. Yeah, in grad school, I did a presentation that Heidegger was relevant to, and I, I used an image of him that was put on a magic card that referred to him as a Nazi, yeah. and and had like a not a power like you tap him and he destroys the inferior race or some shit. Honestly, like I just wanted to sum up this argument in general with Deadpool actually getting ready to kill a woman. And then all of a sudden he's like, that's so confusing. What do I do? Is it sexist if I don't kill you? Is it more sexist if I don't? <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of separating the art from the artist. Yes, we're going to talk about Gerard Way's Umbrella Academy. <clears throat> but, except... I'm actually going to talk about something else briefly first. Yay! In my discussion of it. Because <laughs> that son of a bitch shut me up about Heidegger so he can talk about something else. 
I didn't want to shut you up about that. Oh boy, here we go. I got I my legs crossed. I'm going, I'm going tight. Just, <laughs> our po- this is our podcast. Isn't reviewing Heidegger. <laughs> Why not? It's reviewing Demo and Umbrella Academy. Are we going to do another podcast where we just talk about philosophy? This is, a, this is about the Resident <laughs> Evil stories that we never heard, right? The Umbrella Academy. Yeah. Like, I would love to have that discussion. I'm, just, I'm totally teasing you. So you want to talk about Robocop, Shane? Oh, <laughs> fuck yeah! Let's go, bud! Let's go! Oh my god, Miguel Ferreira's dead, but at the same time, he's still in the new fucking, uh... Save it, save it for our bonus Damn cast, it. Robocasting. <laughs> Robocast. <laughs> Robo-tripping. Ro- oh my god, Where yes! we talk about Robocop while well, we're all on Robotussin? I'm so- no, 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 I had a great idea for the prequel. <laughs> we talked about this before, it's Robert Cop. And it's... It's, it's before... I'm sorry. Uh, the thing that you wanted to talk about that was not Umbrella Academy. Go on. I wanted, before I talk about Umbrella Academy, I want to talk about Wes Anderson. Oh, oh boy. Oh boy. Specifically, the film The Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, definitely, boy. Right, because I am a film major, and I have to do this every once in a while. It's, it's obligated. This will be fun. I can actually throw in on this one. Woo! So The Royal Tenenbaums was a film by American... Indie wood filmmaker. Let's he's just say really every indie. white person ever like <laughs> loves fucking Wes Anderson. He's, he's an indie wood filmmaker. He makes films that have an indie sensibility, but are within the Hollywood system, which is an important distinction that people sometimes miss. Uh, Royal Tenenbaums is a film about a family of prodigies, uh, a family featuring a brother Richie, who is a financial genius, a brother Chaz, I believe, who is. A sports and arts genius and painting genius, and a uh, adopted sister Margot, who is a playwright. Uh, the family, as they grow up, they write books about raising geniuses, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. They have this sort of fancy New York life. Uh, also, they have a, a neighbor who is relentlessly average, if upper middle class, named Eli. Uh, flash forward a few decades, uh, everyone are adults. The parents have divorced, and now the mother is about to get remarried, which causes the father to to fake a cancer scare to reunite the family. Uh, adult Richie, although still wealthy, uh, his wife died in a plane crash, and he is now obsessed with safety and constantly runs safety drills for his children at all hours. They were uh, twins, yes. I'm, I'm assuming they were twins. Or were they actually... I don't think they one were older, one younger. Sure. They looked very similar. I was they, very. They were, but I'm not sure if they were supposed to be twins or not. Okay, uh, that was never really clear to me. Chaz has a breakdown on the field, mostly caused because he has an unrequited love for his adopted sister, uh, and has gone off to the like North Pole or something for some research expedition, but comes back to rejoin the family after the cancer scare. Uh, Margot has become a successful painter and. He's a somewhat successful playwright, but more of an art scene fixture than actually successful, I would say, financially. She's a New York art scene fixture, but not a name that people would know necessarily outside of those circles. And is married to a psychologist and is very dissolute. Their former neighbor, Eli, has become a very successful writer of popular fiction. Uh, The film is sort of about that, about potential and what potential becomes as you get older, and how it can be fulfilled, and how it can be wasted, and what sort of the gulf between potential and success is, based on where you start. 
That's, that's one of the major themes of that film. Uh, I bring that film up because that's also what The Umbrella Academy is about, in my opinion, and why I think it's a very good comic, although I don't know if everybody agrees with me on that. <laughs> I, I suspected Aura would not. <laughs> you know what? I actually was reading a little bit of it, and you might have summed it up a little bit better than I actually probably ever could. Um, just because I thought Umbrella Academy was actually something completely different that I had read, so when Aura was just like, hey, we're reading Umbrella Academy for this, I was like, fuck! <laughs> and he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, I have opinions on that. And I'm like, wait a minute, it's not even the right book. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Did you figure out what you thought it was? Hell no, I don't. I still don't. I'm pretty sure it was Alpha Flight. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Does that make it better or worse? Umbrella Academy is real, is, is real Canadian. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is the awesome. first thing out there to fuck up. So. That would be awesome. Uh, Umbrella Academy is a superhero book set in a sort of fantastical world. Uh, like, atemporal. Yeah, where there, there, there are bizarre things happening throughout it. Like, there are aliens, there are monkeys who, or I guess apes, uh, who speak and do jobs like human beings, which is never really particularly remarked upon. Like, there are fantastical elements sprinkled throughout that are never remarked upon as being especially remarkable. Uh, the book focuses on a group called the Umbrella Academy, who are a group of seven children that were part of a larger group of, what is it, like 43 children, all born in one weird mystical moment. Oh, you know uh, Collected by this guy who's both sort of an old Britishy hunter and an alien. They were. What I thought was interesting about this was that they made it spontaneous births. Yes. It wasn't like, um, it wasn't like rising stars, for instance. Yeah, where the their existing births that are touched, they're all spontaneous births. Yeah. It also separates it from a, uh, uh, the Salman Rushdie novel *Midnight's Children*. Oh, oh. Which which features a bunch wow. of children born on midnight on the eve of Indian independence that all get superpowers of some kind. Who's, who's read some Salmon Rush? Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just push up your fake glasses. Good for you. Fucking nerd. It's actually a very good book. No, I I I I haven't read that one. I just I just I just wanted to I just wanted to point out the uh, that was, the hypocrisy here a little bit. That's all. That I was name dropping the, yeah. the Salmon Rush. Yeah, yeah. I give a shit. <laughs> It's a good book. It's a good book. <laughs> All right. So these kids are raised as a super team, uh, although they are apparently a very disappointing one. Story of my uh, life. There's. Let's see if I can find it. I should have marked it. There's a great quote at one point from yeah from the the guy who raised them, Sir Reginald Hargraves, who gathered the seven. He could only find seven of the children and made them into the team, uh, where he says, In closing, I'd like to point out that I never desired to break the children. I merely sought to foster their potential, which was unfortunately never that vast. Please tell me he has a mohawk and crutches, because he's not an Xavier. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, he's, he sort of looks like an old English hunter, but he's actually secretly an alien. Even better. Which they never really talk about <laughs> at, great, at great length. Uh, so they're a super team. They fight off super menaces. We get to see a few flashbacks. Like, for instance, one where they fight the Eiffel Tower. Uh, which has been hijacked by, <laughs> by the zombie ro- by the zombie robot Gustav Eiffel. Hey, somebody's married to that. Let me know. It's true. It is actually. You can zip line. I read earlier today. You can zip line from the Eiffel Tower now. What? Mm-hmm. Scary. Uh, 
So then most of the book takes place 20 years in the future after Reginald Hargroves has died. Uh, and the team have all, much like the, the Royal Tenenbaums, have all failed their potential to some extent. They're reconvening for the funeral and basically they're mm-hmm. talking about where they are and like sort of flashing back and things like that. Yes. Uh, the different characters are Space Boy, who is sort of the team leader, who seems to have generic superpowers, generic punchy superpowers. Uh, in his future incarnation, he has lost his regular person body and is now a head mounted on a giant gorilla's body. There's <laughs> uh, also the Kraken, who is sort of the Batman to Space Boy's Superman. Unleash the Kraken. Uh... He has, I don't know, some sort of power. He, he fights uh, he fights crime on the, the dark streets with knives and shit. There is the Rumor, who has the power to make anything occur by just saying Rumor has it, and then something. That's awesome! Yeah, it's a really fucking cool power. They don't use it nearly enough. I thought he was going to go like the question route or something, or like <laughs> Rorschach. I was like, oh, great. <laughs> That's even better. There's Seance, who can talk to the dead. There is number five, who has been lost for a very long time and has just reappeared at the time of uh, Hargrave's funeral, still in the form of a child, which was what he was when he disappeared. Because he traveled forward in time and then somehow managed to travel back, which is not supposed to be possible, but it has caused him to no longer age. Uh, they reveal more about why in the second volume. No, really. Uh... There is also Vanya, who has no superpowers that anybody is aware of. And there was uh, the Horror, I believe is the name, who had the ability to like turn his arm into tentacles or something, and who dies in some mission when they are kids. That's what I thought the Kraken was about. I think the inciting incident for the the breakup of the supergroup. So the group is reunited around the funeral, which causes a bunch of robots to attack that some arch villain had programmed to make attack. Uh, at the same time, Vanya, uh, whose who's only life skill thus far has seemed to be that she's a, a prodigy at playing the violin, uh, she doesn't have any superpowers that anyone is aware of, is invited to join a group called the Verdampt Orchestra that believes that they have the key to unlocking a, a latent, incredible power in her that will allow her to use music to destroy the world. Uh, they, they proceed to do that, and then the remaining members of the Umbrella Academy have to have a big punch em up to stop that from happening. Yep. That's that's the story in a, in a nutshell. How long were this? Uh, sorry. What was that? <laughs> How long was this? It's a sixth issue. That's it? Yeah. That sounds fucking awesome! It's great. You well, should read it. <laughs> well, this is Gerard Way. Feel free to borrow it. Of Doom Patrol, if you've oh, read some yes. of that Doom Patrol stuff that's going on right now. Like the new Doom Patrol and the like, Cave Carson as a cybernetic eye. And how densely packed each of those issues is, because that's that's the compliment that I'm going to give this, is that, like, you're in for a substantial I'm just saying, you know, that you. sounds like a lot for, like, fucking six issues. A lot happens. He's also, it has to be said, uh, the lead singer for a band called My Chemical Romance. I, I God damn it, that's which why I, I hated I this fucking book. Which I, I, <laughs> I don't give a shit about his band. No, I mentioned at briefly at the beginning <laughs> that he's more famous as a musician. But... Wait, dude wrote this? Yes. And he also wrote Doom Patrol and all those other shit. things. Shit. I think he's, he's 
He doesn't, as far as I know, My Chemical Romance is kind of defunct at this point. I haven't heard anything about that. Oh, for you a know while. what? That makes sense why Cassandra is actually rented. Yeah. Uh, I'm I, don't, to... I don't care about their music. I don't care that much for their music. Like, they had one song off of uh, Fabulous Killjoys that I thought was okay, and that's the extent of what I give a shit about the music of My Chemical Romance. What was that other one? Uh, <laughs> somebody fabulous. told me. Fabulous Killjoys, I think, was also a book that he did. Yeah, he did a comic book called True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys, which was related to one of their albums. Yeah. It wasn't... It, Becky Cloonan did the art, but it wasn't that great a book. I mean, the art was oh, good, well, to, Becky Oh, well, to tie it in with yeah. our... Yeah. Accidental there. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it shows that these books are connected. <laughs> yeah. And I think that there's a thematic... I think that it seems on the surface a bit of a weird comparison, but I think that there are connections between them. Although I will say that Umbrella Academy, like word demo is very sparse, Umbrella Academy is very dense. Yes. Like super dense. <laughs> Sounds like it. Everything you just said sounded like it was like one of those omnibuses, and all of a sudden, like, oh, it, it, look at this goddamn thing, and it is packed in comparison to a lot of modern oh, comics. Crap. And it it moves at a clip that is sometimes kind of confusing, honestly. Like in terms of craft, you can tell that it's somebody's first comic. Nice. In terms of, and, of writing, I should say. And it is really like... He does have great art by he wants to. He wants to get a lot of things out, for sure. That right there is the most powerful panel, though, in my opinion. Wow. That middle panel on the other side. Where she's like, she's watching the action. And she says, like, what am I, what am I supposed to do to help? Like, how am I... And, and oh. you know, the, the father figure goes... There's nothing special about you. Just stay out of the way, basically. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so it's, it's so yeah, and then she's <laughs> and then she says, "Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah." Teeks. And that's sort of what drives the action is her inability to be accepted by this group. Yeah. Like in her seeming not specialness. Like she like, like the Royal Tenenbaums. They're constantly telling like Margot is having an affair with Eli Cash, the the popular writer. But at the same time, is immensely critical of everything that he has done as a writer, uh, and they have a, a sort of not fight exactly, but discussion over a review that she has done of one of his books, in which she repeatedly says that he is not a genius in it, which is upsetting to him. But she's just like, "Well, you're not a genius." I'm sorry. I still think it's funny that he showed up in his underwear in her closet and puts a cowboy hat on. Hey, this. <laughs> that's that's, <laughs> that's fucking hilarious. I'm sorry. That's genius to me. <laughs> oh, I love the Royal Tenet Bumps. <laughs> I'm not gonna... it's a, it might be my second favorite Wes Anderson movie. What's your first? Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Are you kidding me? Well, I see both. so much of myself in Steve Zissou. Mine would probably be Bottle Rocket, though. I See, that one for me, like, it didn't feel like he found his style yet. It's a oh, great no. story. It's so stripped down compared to the rest um, of the stuff. But yes, it's it's on par. The character work is so brilliant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And from there, you can see where everything else went. But, like, yeah. cinematography-wise, like... It's stripped down. It doesn't have any of the genre elements, really, except, I mean, it's technically sort of a heist movie, but, like, yeah. it's, it doesn't have all of the sort but, of elaborate staging. Yeah, even then. But it's, uh... uh like, I love it. Ocean's Eleven filmed by a five-year-old. <laughs> yeah, that's, exact, that's exactly... That's honestly what I would call it. By an extraordinarily talented... Very. <laughs> Did you want to borrow Umbrella Academy? Yeah, please. Is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, that's, actually, that's like a really good book. I love it. It's it's an incredible book. 
what I actually okay. read. In my opinion, it is a great book because it gets at, and I think that that's a very fascinating issue, that issue of, like, what do people do? And it's not a thing, in your mainstream superhero story, you get that great power, great responsibility narrative, right? That's mm-hmm. the core narrative of your mainstream superheroes. But a narrative that you don't see is failed potential. Like, potential for great power, but the lack of drive to achieve. That would be hilarious to see well, Superman come here, fail, well, and then be working as somebody at McDonald's, honestly. That's, that's the villains yeah. in the stories, a lot of times, though. Uh, in theory, like, the villains in superhero superhero stories are kind of weird. Because they're often not very smart. Mm. I don't know. Would you call me? Uh, Elliot Kalen from the Flophouse did a like one of those Spider-Man special issues where they had him fighting Sauron that there was a panel that was famous on the internet where Sauron in it has been manipulating people's genetics to turn people into dinosaurs and Spider-Man is like with that kind of knowledge of genetics you know you could you could cure cancer and save the world and Sauron says but I don't want to cure cancer I want to make people into dinosaurs <laughs> that's, that's to me sort of the iconic of what makes a villain the only way that a villain becomes rational in a superhero story because usually they have some sort of power or invention that would make them vastly wealthy and yet have chosen to be thieves and petty criminals which is probably the dumbest thing you could do go back watch well, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies but watch all the William Defoe outtakes they are fantastic and you understand why you would want to be a villain <laughs> well, mm. well but they sort of with that they sort of make him the, the nutcase yeah which, no, which is well, a common the, route to making the, the villain rational but the, the same the same Critique is often launched at Spider-Man himself, though. Like, yeah. you have this web formula. You have this, like, genius IQ. What are you yeah. doing, like, swinging around New York and, and being a photographer? Like, Or Iron Man, who it's, it's, he's kind of like a dick for not... Like, he could give the Iron Man... Like, every time a soldier dies in the Marvel Universe, an American soldier dies, they do so because Tony Stark doesn't share Iron Man armor tech. And, and there's been... Because it would be in the wrong hands. Yeah. Anyone but a drunken fucking CEO who has turned evil how many times? I don't know. Let's ask Doctor Doom. Oh wait. Yeah, I mean, hush up your face. What's what's going on right now in the Marvel universe? Isn't going to count in five years, okay? No, no, less than. Let's be let's be fair. Spider-Man is interestingly transitional. Like what I would say with the superheroes is that although they might not be monetizing their gifts in the smartest way. They're not breaking a law. Like, Sauron is destined... If Sauron existed in the real world, he would... Like, Spider-Man would catch him, and then the fucking FBI would put one between his eyes when no one was looking. (laughs) Because that's what you do with somebody who is insane and can turn people into dinosaurs. You put a fucking nine between their eyes. You want you want a depressing uh, you want a depressing factoid? What's that? Are we talking about something the Paris I Agreement? Just, something I just looked up. <laughs> What's that? Uh, Wes Anderson's only ten years older than us. I know. Look at how much that guy's accomplished in his life compared to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still got ten <laughs> years. Yay! Yeah, yeah, fuck <laughs> you. Eat it. <laughs> <laughs> I only got ten years. <laughs> <laughs> no, you've got ten years to meet us. You've got twenty to meet Wes Anderson. Where Wes Anderson's at? <laughs> I could if I had a camera and famous friends. 
Owen Wilson. <laughs> Owen Wilson. <laughs> Jesse Owens. <laughs> Just dudes <All> named right. <laughs> Owens. Owen. Owen. So, so Umbrella Academy. <laughs> <laughs> I explained why I liked it. The um, horror. You liked it less. Maybe you could explain why. Uh, no, I, I mean, I, I said kind of, kind of my, my big piece about it was that it was just, it was densely, it was, there's a lot going on and you mentioned briefly that there was a lot unexplained too. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I would have liked more acclimation to the world maybe. Um, you know, suspension of disbelief is one thing, but like, if I have to be paying attention to certain things, tell me why I don't have to pay attention to other things. I will um, say, and normally I'm not, I don't care that much about world building, and I don't mind a few things salted in, yeah. but it would, fucking Gerard Way, go back and fucking write more Umbrella Academy, because there's too many threads in your fucking world. Right, well, I mean. too many threads for you to just I fucking mean, drop it well, and the be first, done after two fucking trades. The first thing that draw the, the like, the first thing that I thought I had to pay attention to was the fact that there was... 42 kids born, and he only found seven of them. Yeah. I was like, okay, well, this book is going to now be about the other, you know, 20-something kids that, yeah. like, are, are, are you know, or 30-something kids that are gone missing. And I, as far no. as I know, he didn't touch on it in that, and he nope. didn't they, they that, the other thing either. either. Like, that I'm aware of. So, so, like, for me, that was, that was part of the frustration in reading this book. The second part has nothing to do with the book itself, but was that I couldn't get a hold of a physical copy of it, so I did read it digitally. And uh, so, reading it digitally, there put, was... Put you in a bad mood? Well, there was lots of splash pages. And <coughs> my my tiny Kindle fire, didn't, you know, doesn't do it justice. <laughs> in the same you mad, way. It made you mean mad? <laughs> it's... I... You know how I feel about digital comics to begin with. <laughs> and so there were lots of places where I had to, like, zoom in on tiny little, like, speech bubbles and 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 things like that that I, you know... It's not my favorite thing to do with a with an afternoon is, like, fiddle around on my damn fire and try and read a damn comic. So, um, that, having nothing to do with the book itself. So, like, the, so that put me into a mood reading it and then thereby, you know... Um, and and it was the fantastical elements were great. Like I mean, it was it was a great fantastic like fantasy. You know, like like had this been set like had this book been set in like the Magnolia verse or something like that. Yeah. Like because that's that's the felt that's the feel I got from the art. For instance, was I was yeah. like, oh, this is this is going to have a Hellboy feel to it. That's and true. It, Gabriel Ba is really doing. It. I think we should. Briefly mentioned, I, li- I like the art in this a lot. Yeah, Gabriel Ba is very good. Uh, but the but <laughs> I mean, like this the page that Shane's looking at right now has like uh, like looks straight out of Hellboy. What do you what do you? It's this like the it's a chart summarizing uh, uh, fatalities and injuries at uh, theme parks every year. Yeah, what the fuck is going on there? There's there's earlier in there. There's a the- I think there's an attack at a theme park by robots. Yeah. <laughs> Is that supposed to make me feel better, or... (laughs) I guess, theoretically, why it's there. Motherfuckers, let's go to Disneyland. Next episode, let's go to Disneyland. Um, You want to know how gross theme parks are? Talk to anyone who has ever worked at one, and they will tell you all uh, about... I used to not... When I was... My first time in college, I was in theater, and I used to work with with, uh, actors who would, like, go to Disney for... To do mascot work on the uh, the summer. They do call them actors. And uh, you get all kinds of great stories about kids trying to feel up fucking Mickey's tits. I'm good. (laughs) 
<laughs> the magical world of Disney. You didn't. You didn't. You didn't. Uh, you didn't dress up in the Mario costume for a free comic day. I was not allowed. <laughs> Gene. Gene knew better. <laughs> Blank that name, by the way. <laughs> Why? Is it like a gross porno version of Mario? <laughs> it might be. You have like a real greasy mustache. You're like, it's a me. I'm <laughs> oh, pasta pizza in my pants. That was, that was, that was, that was <laughs> racist and that was sexist. <laughs> we found it. <laughs> what an episode. Oh, God. I'm not acknowledging either of what you guys said. <laughs> The meatball. It's just really tight overalls. No! No, 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 <laughs> the no. The moose knuckle. So, there's this episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, boy. Like, <laughs> third season, like, where where Mac is dating uh, dating the, the trans person, right? Yes. And I'm watching, like, through. I'm just binge-watching It's Always Sunny while I'm kind of catching up on some reading. And um, Elizabeth comes to sit down uh, having only seen like like half an episode of the show once and then all like all of a sudden the camera like pans like real slowly on the bulge and she's like what are you watching you know it's always sunny baby <laughs> like is this like the time that you were actually like watching an episode uh no no you're watching a movie or something and it was a sex scene oh no that that was you wasn't it or I mean, it happens to me a lot, but, like, I don't I'm know. I'm pretty I sure should... this was the, uh, this John Stamos was in it. I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. They were watching something. Something happened. Oh, they walked in. They were doing something. That's, that's on wax, buddy. Internet <laughs> <laughs> wax. I don't know. I don't, I've, I mean, no. I've, that's I've, actually I've... one of my favorite things. I'm like, you were watching... Po- <laughs> no, we were trying to get away from the fact that you were watching the movie that you were watching. It's the it's porn. It's porn less embarrassing that porn. way. No, that my dad was notorious for that. Like he'd be watching like some Steven Seagal flick, and of course it'd like I'd come down the stairs right as like. The music slows and like, <laughs> yeah. and and my dad and I and I used to pick on him all the time about it. I'm like, I'm like, what kind of filth are you watching now, Dad? Like, he's like, he's like, it's just Steven Seagal movie. Like, you just happen to always, and I'm like, oh yeah, I just happen to come in while you're it's called hard to kill. Yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> you just happened to walk down, and my my hand just fell on my dick. <laughs> Like you do, like you do. Not well, not, not acknowledging that either. I know. Let's maybe do the comparison now. Oh yeah, <laughs> you want you want to leave walk it away there from that. Uh, okay, so the opening comparison is the one I I want Shane to sort of stick this uh, stick this note. He noticed that they're all white people in, the, in here. <laughs> like like there isn't a diversity among this cast. So. I don't know if you. If you I don't would. know. One of them was a monkey. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, what? There's, <laughs> there was a chimp in one of them, and he was talking. I was happy. Yeah, there's the white kids in the Umbrella Academy. 
Yeah, and in demo, though. Uh, I feel like some of the demo characters were maybe not. I mean, it's hard to tell in the black and white book. Though there was the the, the half Asian kid, for instance. <laughs> the one, the one that I actually had to bring up during a conversation. We're like, oh, hey, what are you reading? That looks like a goddamn engineer book. <laughs> that's actually the words that were used. If your point is that these are whitey books for whitey. Then yeah, that's absolutely the case. Yeah. Um, like. And is also the case with 90 I'm not saying they're not good stories and everything, because, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, differentialism between them. Like, you know, there's yeah. lesbians there. Well, no, I know. I guess that's it. That was I the just, only thing that I ever saw. <laughs> I could have sworn that there were at least a couple of Hispanic protagonists. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't I swear to it. I wouldn't swear to it. And I'm sorry, Internet, if I get this wrong. But I think Becky Cloonan is a lesbian. So that can inform some of that um, part of the story. <laughs> That uh, the the race of lesbians. Well, no, I'm saying that that's that's what she's. I I think that that's where some of that storytelling is coming from. Is that place is what I was trying. to I guess say. it was also earlier, so it wasn't. God, that makes it sound horrible. <laughs> um, I love how the reputation that you and I have gotten from this week because I because del- I had my wife deliver this book to you on Saturday. Yeah, and yeah. apparently it was in front of people mm-hmm. because. Because uh, what came back to my like? Oh, please tell back, me what she said because this was hilarious. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> she's like, she's like, did you make Shane really read that really thick book? <laughs> I was like, well, that's only half of what we're doing. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was telling everybody else. I'm like, like, <laughs> I was telling uh, Sam at work about it, and he's like. Wow, you sound fucked. <laughs> goes, Mike, I just started it yesterday. We're fine. He's like, oh man, you're done. I don't think you can finish that. I have 60 pages left. I think I'm okay. <laughs> it's Demo was a lot quicker read than it It was. really was. Um, it wasn't. You should have had to read fucking Rising Stars. Oh, oh God. That was Did a either, goddamn slog. I didn't finish Rising Stars this time through. I couldn't. Like I did, but I had started reading it like... I got through the main prior. story, but I didn't it's, do any I, of the I appreciate back a graphic novel I that is the back a graphic omnibus, back not a novel that is a graphic novel. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, you thank God you weren't around for Rising Stars. You oh, yeah. hated us. Oh, God. I already had trouble. I, I fell asleep three you times during uh, Extreme you know. X-Men. Extreme X-Men. Extreme X-Men. In one Ad- sitting. Admittedly a In tough In one slog. sitting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Let's talk about RoboCop. That's... No, that's going to be for our show, RoboCop. Yeah. <laughs> Got to watch Kick Puncher and RoboCop. <laughs> um, if we're ever doing special features, we should we should one day do an episode of RoboTripping. RoboTripping. Wait, are we seriously going to take a bunch of RoboTests and actually? You know what? What else do we do? If yeah, I'm, I'm going to mute this real quick. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> All right. So that's. That's funny that you think that Josh does literally any editing to the show. Yep. <laughs> You're I, I, I actually amplified I, my voice when I did that. I try and remember to edit out the pee breaks. I used to do a lot of editing. Yeah. I used to go through and cut ums and like tighten up the timing. And now I just don't give a shit. It takes a lot of time. And we talk a lot. We do. I get real fucking tired of hearing my voice. Even when, when I usually edit, I do it at one and a half times speed, which I really recommend listening to this podcast at one and a half times speed. <laughs> Basically, we sound like the chipmunks. It's fucking great. It's far more entertaining. <laughs> On top so, of that, the uh, reviews are usually 
half of what like whatever movie or book we read. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right, so uh, comparative that that was the comparative that Shane noted on the way here that I was like, wow, that is okay. That but is we were at Sonic, I and I saw like the whitest soccer mom right next to me. And she was ordering uh, bread with mayonnaise. So, You're right, Shane. These are super racist books. <laughs> Way to be, Shane. These are super good racist books. books. Good uh, notice. On I'm the, pointing it out, man. This, this, this is the clan cast. Is what we're calling it. I, Can I, I leave? I figured, I figured it would be. It's KCK. Before, before before you guys put on the hoods. Can I just go? Was yours in the the wash? Uh, so. Not acknowledging what you said and moving on. As far as what connects these books, the main thing that I thought connects them is that they're sort of different takes on superhero. Like through like demo is this sort of stripped down anthology approach, like like sort of like Twilight Zone, but even more sparse. Uh, Umbrella Academy is very dense and mannered and sort of Wes Anderson like, but they're both they're not approaches that you see in the mainstream. See, and I yeah. thought that the connective tissue was music, but like I said, I I have I have a different true. familiarity with the with the demo than you guys do. I think so. Umbrella Academy, weirdly enough, is less musical than demo. For me, yeah. despite the fact that it's by a musician and its main villain is conducting an orchestra to end the world. <laughs> you would think that would make it extremely musical. Is that... It's really not. Is that, is that Wes Anderson taking... Or is that Wes Anderson? Is that Gerard Way? <laughs> is that Gerard Way taking on okay, the, from... the, the role of uh, Adorno in this case? Is that, like... In, in what, I'm not as familiar with Adorno. Please explain, please explain your references oh boy. to the Frankfurt School. Oh boy, it's not delivery, it's Adorno. Here we go, Aura. <laughs> Nope, you just named the episode, so we're going to move on. <laughs> I was, I'm, oh, hold on, I'm trying to figure what out what I, my what point I, was. What I was before. suggesting was that Adorno said, you know, said that we, jazz music was going to end us all, and so I was just saying that in this case... like Adorno said a lot of dumb shit. Well, <laughs> you know... Uh, maybe there's some of that. that that's that's, all that's was, relatable right now. <laughs> I, I was ma- I was just making a like a general swath in Adorno just cause, and then I, I, and, I don't know what Gerard Way's uh, uh, commitments as as far as uh, philosophers and uh, it was more nuanced than I just is. put it out there. But you know, no, I know. <laughs> uh, I do know. I mean, if he's if he's left at all, apparently, according to almost. I mean, all these right-wing conspiracy theorists, the, the Frankfurt School is the most important thing in the world, and also an evil conspiracy, so... Well, he was suggesting, <laughs> since since you want to hear it, he was suggesting that popular culture is yeah. what allows fascism's vehicle to run. I'm familiar with that. With yeah, that, and that's... With that terrible argument made by that terrible theorist. Wow. <laughs> and so, uh, and so that's, that's all I was making the joke, was the, the orchestral I mean, stuff. Counterpoint, was... Wagner. <laughs> okay. All right, Nietzsche. You the dick, Adorno. <laughs> all right, Shane. Sorry, you wanted to bust in there. Um, and I hold had to... on. Let me see if I can actually regather my thoughts on that one. So it felt like, um, from what I'm looking at from Umbrella Academy, it looked like it was more whimsical on top of that. What the hell was that? Mm-hmm. Is it gonna eat me? I don't. I think it was safe. I think it's safe. Okay, cool. Very safe. So Umbrella Academy felt like kind of whimsical at times, and <laughs> so did Demo with the beginning of their stories, and then it was very punctuated with a certain emotion. 
And then the next point was another kind of whimsical story and then punctuated with another emotion. It, it felt like it kept going in that succession yeah. to a point where it wanted to make you feel something each time. Yeah. So, maybe? Yeah. Uh, in Umbrella Academy, it's there's a lot more noise, but I think that it is still... And this is another thing that's also I think that he shares with Wes Anderson. It's punctuated by emotional moments that are very important to the narrative. That's what I like about Wes Anderson. It's, like it's all very like, oh my god, this is just you know, la 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 la. Oh uh, shit! Oh, for all god. for all the mannered characterizations and genre tropes of his films, there's always these moments like, like in World Tenenbaums when uh, Chaz and Margot are as adults in the sort of blanket fort, and they're just like, we can't do anything about this. Exactly. Because we're we're adopted siblings. A lot of conflicting things right so there. And then it goes right back to it. Yep. It's it's these extravagant or or the the scene in that film where Chaz tries to kill himself, mm-hmm. which occurs right after this bizarre montage of Margot's extravagant affairs with like Actually it was pre bizarre. uh you have the switched. Because she comes into the fort with him because he tried to kill himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that, that's, I, was, I was referring to the other moment. Oh, okay. Like, we get this quiet moment where this character attempts suicide, which is, like, horrible. But it's preceded by this extravagant and crazy montage of, like, her her love, her international lovers. With the Ramones like, playing in the background. Yeah, no. Yeah, who, who look like a collection of... I don't even know how to, how you would describe it. Like, yeah. like a boys' adventure book idea of who you would have affairs with internationally. <laughs> it really was, yeah. <laughs> like it's just this bizarre, crazy montage, and then it's punctuated by him cutting off all his hair and slicing his wrists open while Elliot Smith's "Needle in the Hay" is playing. Very good. Like, song, oh my by the god, way. that's so swingy, and that puts you in that emotional moment. Like demo is a lot quieter. It doesn't have that big montage, but it still has that moment. Those moments were. It kind of shows up occasionally. Yeah. Every time somebody talks about the Royal Tannenbaums, I think of the book Infinite Jest for some reason. Uh, Infinite Jest? Fuck that book. Okay. Fuck that book and anybody reads it. I, I, have, have, I have read some like, of it. Whoa. I've read some of it too. I haven't the patience. I've read enough of it to know I don't have the goddamn patience. I, I, I made the mistake of, and dear listener, if you're still listening, which, you know, at an hour and 45 minutes, I assume you'd be like... Yeah, I assume they're gone. Yeah, like... <laughs> but if you... This is if us. You, this is us do, time. If you, if you have an opportunity... It's our time down here. If you have an opportunity to read Infinite Jest, definitely don't do the annotated version. There's no point. <laughs> the annotated version is the only version. No, there's... Is there not annotated? I thought that was, there... Maybe there... Okay, well. I was under the impression that it was good. That's part of the, the fucking conceit of that piece of shit is the, the fucking elaborate annotations. Yeah, okay. Well, fair enough. Then you made it further than me, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so made, have you have you read Infinite Jest ever? No. I made it like a hundred pages in, it's but that's, the I same, read all the annotations. It's the same thickness, but with real words and not oh, no. It's a bit thicker no. and has a imprinted on a lighter paper stock. Because that's. I will say about the demo collection, it's a very thick paper stock. Which I appreciate. Yeah. Let's maybe go on to talking about that, in fact, about price. You wanna you wanna talk about price? Yeah. Price. I have no idea how much Umbrella Academy costs. Yeah. What what? Uh nineteen. But it's it's old and you can probably find Ooh. a copy for not that terrible. Eight seventeen ninety nine for, for six, six issues. Six issue and it, it also collects a couple of like a free comic day story and like another 
Like, it had yeah, a couple it, backup it features some, and some back matter. It had some matter. weird back matter that I couldn't contextualize, so I was just like, okay, well, whatever. <laughs> like, well, one of them's like a free comic book day story that was like a preview of it. One of them's another preview from an anthology. Is it Dark Horse? I, yeah. That's why. These are both yeah. Dark Horse books. Demo, as was stated earlier, is 25 bucks for the complete. Which is a really, that is a really great price steal. point. Totally worth it. I would... I have, what, what, The Walking Dead, that size? Omnibus 1 is, like, what, $50? Well, that's 50 issues. Um, yeah. Shut up. Or no, 40. I'm not saying you're wrong, I'm just saying. If you, what's 49. that? Yeah. 48 or 49. Yeah, yeah something like but, that. Yeah, and this is only, quote-unquote, 18. But, you, but could, 18 you, could go, you could go throw a demo on your shelf right next to your copy of Infinite Jest and look like a real, like, um, <laughs> snobby snob snob. Well, I like the thick paper stock of it. It makes it a very substantial read without... And it stops just short of being a big enough omnibus to be unwieldy and difficult to to read. Like some of like the Walking Dead omnibus are kind of tough to read. Like, just the, their feel in your hand is too heavy. Yeah, I don't, like... But I'm whenever, used to it because of my dick. I don't know what that means. That my dick is heavy. No, nope, nope, don't care. it's so big. Oh, son of a bitch, you're going to keep... It's fucking gonna, giant. It's like a baby's hand. Are you done? <laughs> but like, but like a big baby that's holding an apple. It's the marshmallow man of fucking. <laughs> you son of a bitch! I had to jump in somewhere. Oh, that's what she said. Um, she couldn't. Oh. Her mouth was full. No, no, I'm done. With- <laughs> Done with this talk. So reading those Walking Dead omnibuses, I don't know if you have this problem because you're reading it like with you know you got your you know you're holding it like this and and the it kind of rests against your chest. Do you get the chest divot? Well, I can't ever. I don't do that because that makes my chest feel very uncomfortable. Wait, like usually? Yeah. Oh, so like when you're reading it like that? Like you're? Oh no, no, I read it from like down here, man. Like you're holding it like this, and you like it's leaning up against your chest, like. No, no, no. Like, when I lay down, like, I actually, like, about, like, let it feel like that. all the like, time. Like, I change positions, man. Like, I'll oh, do what like, wow. Shane was doing where I'm trying to hold it for a while, but it's too heavy and then you to have comfortably to do that. flip, and then you have to, like, move it, like, with one hand or the other hand, and you're... Yeah. It's too heavy to do that for a long time, so then I'll end up lying down and putting it to the side, or, like, I'll put it, like, on top of me, and I'll put pillows, like, here, and, like, stare over at it, or, like, I just... I, <laughs> I let it, it sleep on me. Oh, see, for me, like, I just read it the same... I read it the same way, like this, and I'm the big spoon with it. Well, like yes. one of these ones, actually, it was actually a quick enough read that you could actually do that. So oh, I, yeah. I actually understand that. But like, for instance, you have those Sandman omnibuses that I've yes. that I've lusted after for a bit, and they're so pretty. Yeah, they they're they're much prettier than I had given them credit for initially. They are they um, are the prettiest graphic novel I've seen. Um, do you have to have like a special like like? I, Concordance stand for it or something? Like. Uh, nah, I just open it. Yeah. Like it, it, it sits open fairly decently. Like, the binding on it's fairly good. Because uh, the, the lectern, I'm, I'm imagining like a lectern sort of situation <laughs> where you have to like read it while standing up and like... <laughs> you. Yeah. <laughs> reading today from the, from the uh, Sandman <laughs> Volume 1, Issue 14... And then Hitman said to Batman. <laughs> the Sandman is are easier to read. You sounded like you were kind of Morgan Freeman. <laughs> <laughs> like you were falling back into it. 
They're a little easier to read than you would think because there's less Sandman than you would think. There were 75 total issues between two and then a couple specials. Yeah. So each one is about 38 issues. Okay. Which is about 10 issues less than your Walking Dead. It's again, it's, it's another thing where it's a bit of a, a thicker paper stock like the demo. Uh, it's not a book that you're going to want to hold in your hands the whole time because it'll get heavy, but it's it's a lot more comfortable to to move around mm. than you would expect, despite being gorgeous and faux leatherette. And then and then and how many sittings did you have to deal with your uh, Rob Liefeld omnibus last week? Oh, that two weeks fucking ago. Fucking thing. <laughs> I don't even know how many. I I just I read it at night, like when I was lying down. I'll. At the end of the night, I can't go straight to sleep, so I would read it before sleep, and I'd just get a few issues and then get fucking fed up. <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was heavy to to put anywhere, and it was uh, and it was so shitty. That was your Ambien right there. You're just like, fuck it, I'm so it, angry, I'm sleeping. <laughs> and it had those fucking sideways. Uh, <laughs> 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 That was unpleasant to read. Fucking Rising Stars was monumentally unpleasant to read. Yeah, monument. Yeah, I remember Rising Stars. Like the binding wasn't great on that, so you kind of had yeah. to like lay that one open sometimes. Like yeah, and it's just a bit too heavy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that's, well, that's been our latest installment of reading talk. <laughs> <laughs> D- demo totally worth it. Uh, Umbrella Academy mostly worth it, I'd say. Yeah, I think Umbrella's worth it. I Also, Jared Way needs to go back and finish it. Yeah. Like, you need at least a third book, buddy. Do a third book and print them out in you a think, fucking omnibus. You think Gerard Way is listening into the Obviously. one hour and 50th minute of our podcast yeah. about his book? Fuck you, Gerard Way. Put that in the front. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Archie's expert Shane. Relax, buddy. You Off dick, motherfucker. Shane. You ain't no ribbon dude. <laughs> You ain't no Rivendale? I'm sorry. <laughs> I got excited. <laughs> like, you ain't a place in a Tolkien... You ain't Tolkien something Bible? in a Tolkien universe, motherfucker. <laughs> you ain't no Riders of Rohan, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Get your ass back to the ring rates. Sound <laughs> uh, the beacon and write another third fucking book, bitch. All right, I'm... Motherfucker acting like a I'm, black corsair. I'm gonna... I'm gonna go... I'm gonna just... Talk no, about. we can keep going. That's <laughs> some Tolkien deep cut for you. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and talk about the Graphic Novelty Network for a minute, <laughs> so you can find all of the podcasts on Graphic Novelty Podcast uh, dot com. You can uh, you can talk to the Twitter at graphic underscore novelty. You can find the Facebook at Graphic Novelty Podcast. Uh, you can. Download all of the podcasts on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Blueberry, RSS feeds, and some other some other magical shit I've never heard of. Um, there's a Wednesday uh, comics newscast. There's a Friday, so, sometimes Friday, panel show. There's special shows that went out. We, we recently did a Wonder Woman one, for instance, that's probably old news by the time this is going to drop. And then, uh, and then we do this show every alternating Monday. That podcast will never do where we compare two graphic novels. But the other show, Further Ado, what happens there, Josh? On Further Ado, we talk about a somewhat related piece of media. Uh, this time, it's 
a bit. It's fairly far, uh, somewhat related. Yeah, I was gonna. Say, uh, I, I was reading the synopsis for this one. I'm, I'm interested uh-oh. in it. Gonna... It's another alternate take on superheroes. Oh no! And I think it has some sort Sorry, of tonal okay. similarities. It's called Special, uh, but the special is an acronym. What? Uh, it stars Michael Rapaport, and it's about a guy who is on a drug trial for a depression drug, uh, and thinks that he has developed superpowers. Okay, that's a lot nicer than what I thought we were going with. (laughs) But he has not. (laughs) Uh, Uh, It's, I think, a really very good movie. And honestly, one of the movies that I thought we should start doing further ado, because I wanted to spotlight it. (laughs) Something like it. Wait, Michael Rappaport? Really? Mm -hmm. Ooh. Yeah, he's kind of a shit in his personal life. But he's a decent actor. Uh, And then next week, we are doing something. The Ultimate Spider-Man Ultimates show. We're doing in in a uh, in preparation for Spider-Man going to his homecoming. We are going to be doing a comparison between the first uh, complete collection of Ultimate Spider-Man and also of the Ultimates, which is sort of a Fourth of July e thing. Oh Ultimate, God, Ultimate, you're right. Ultimate Spider-Man uh, parentheses Peter Parker Volume One. Not okay. Miles Morales, right? Yeah, yeah, not the yeah. Miles Morales stuff. Because so. we're racists. Because as, as Shane pointed out, we like the white comics. What, what? What do you think the spider on my forehead stands for? Ow! No. <laughs> Jeez! <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. what, what do you think this clan symbol on my robe stands for? Oh, France? no, guys. No, 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 no. <laughs> it took a turn. <laughs> All right. So that has been Gosh, the latest episode. I'm never podcasting with either one of you sick again. I don't think that's going to be true. <laughs> Jackass. And we I'm got all about that Szechuan sauce! <laughs> <laughs>